I'm not exactly sure where to start the message today, let alone how to end all this. I mean, think about it. How does one bring to an end a career that started well over 33 years ago? How does one bring to an end something so meaningful? How does one close out, wrap up, tie a bow around something so blessed and fulfilling as if it's suddenly all going to be over? How does one put into final words countless life-changing experiences, and how does one bring to an end years of their life that have been so enriching and so fruitful? Yeah, packing up and leaving Yuma is hard. In fact, it's been harder than I thought it would be. You know, Wendy and I, and now Brownie, have so looked forward to complete and full retirement, and we've been looking forward to it for a long time. But how do you actually do it? I'm not even sure where to start the message today, let alone how to end all this. Some of the words that come to mind are painful, exciting, scary, life-giving, cautious. Now what? All filled with uncertainty, regardless of how we're feeling. Wendy and I and Brownie, and even you. We've all reached the time to set sail. I'm reading to you from Acts chapter 20. It's Luke's historical account of a very special time of the Apostle Paul with the Ephesian elders. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, You know, From the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. And now I commit to you, I commit to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. 
In every way I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he is the one who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. After Paul had said all these things, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So when's our reading today from Acts chapter 20? Okay, why am I sharing this historical event with you today? What is so meaningful about Paul seemingly bragging about how hard he's worked over the years and then warning people about an insurrection possibly coming their way from within their own ranks, no less? Why would I share with you today a curious event where the Apostle Paul is seen breaking down by the way some Bibles say that they fell on each other's necks? Why would I share this very unique time in his life where we see him crying with his dear friends before he sails off into the sunset? Well, that's what I just read to you, by the way. Keeping in mind that we just heard Luke's historical version of the Apostle Paul's powerful and painful farewell from the beaches of Ephesus, I think it would be helpful to take just a quick look at some of Paul's parting advice that he wrote in a letter to his Ephesian friends. This is from Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, the letter Paul wrote to the Ephesians. I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So how do you end it all? How do you tie a bow? How do you put into words a career that seemingly, maybe even practically speaking, coming to an end? Well, Dr. Ralph Wilson has this to say about Paul and some of his writings, especially the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. In the estimation of many, Ephesians is Paul's crowning work. Ephesians is the quintessence of Pauline theology. It is both a literary gem and a treasure of spiritual nuggets. Those who study it may not fully plumb its depths, but will glean important understanding of Christ and his church, as well as lessons for life. 
Well, you scholars know that Paul founded the church at Ephesus over a period of nearly three years, which is one of the facts we learn from the book of Acts chapter 19 and 20. Those years were right around from between 52 and 55 AD. It's important. Give me a minute. I'll tell you why these dates are important. He visited the church elders on the beach at Miletus on his way to Jerusalem. I just read to you that event from Acts chapter 20. Now in Jerusalem, shortly thereafter, Paul was arrested. He was imprisoned, first in Caesarea, and then later he was under house arrest in Rome. All that was around 60 to 62 AD, and then he died no later than 63 to 65, but probably died earlier. What's the bottom line to this, and why is it all important? In over three missionary journeys, the Apostle Paul spent the majority of his ministry in Ephesus. And in his latter days on earth, imprisoned somewhere, either in Caesarea or Rome, no doubt, Paul wrote several letters, by the way. One of them he wrote to his friends at Ephesus. And in that letter, he included some of his final words about the immensity, the majesty, and the power of God's love, not only for the whole world, but specifically for them. Nowhere else that I can recall, anyway, is there a record of Paul going to great lengths to return to a previous ministry location. And nowhere else that I know of is there a record of him breaking down and crying like a baby before he sets sail to chase the next dream God has in store for him. And there is, in my mind, a reason why I've been thinking and praying about this chapter in Paul's pastoral career for about two years now. You see, Paul knew the end for him was coming. Paul knew the end was near, whether it be his career or even his life. Paul knew that things were going to be wrapping up for him fairly quickly. Paul also knew that God still had things planned for him to do. And Paul knew that especially because of his treasured friends in Ephesus, that he would, one, never be the same again, and two, he knew that their love and prayers and friendship would give him the strength he needed to set sail and move on to his next assignment. So there you have it. In what way might this story about friends sharing their goodbyes give us the same strength that we need today to set sail? Well, Luke, the writer of Acts, clearly thought it was important to include this very emotional and tearful farewell. Luke shares with the world some of Paul's most beautiful advice, pointed warnings. By the way, I didn't read to you the full warnings to the leaders, but they're there. And Luke also concludes with an emotional, tearful, tender, beautiful goodbye from the beaches of Ephesus. Luke's account, and not a lot of folks know this, Luke's account presents a very unique picture of Paul, who was known more for being a strong teacher, a strong leader, a strong religious scholar, solicitor, and a fierce debater. But here we see him kneeling on the beach 
hugging, and in tears, saying goodbye to his special friends. You know, I'm certain that all his missionary journeys, all these places, that the journeys and the churches and the friends, the all kinds of good things were brought into Paul's life and unforgettable experiences happened in these places. But the writers of the Bible made an effort to highlight this powerful departure from the beaches of Ephesus. It was by some standards somewhat of a gut-wrenching goodbye, and maybe that's what I'm really trying to say to you today as we part ways with you, setting sail for wherever God is leading us. All that said, as your pastor and as your preacher today, for the last time, I want to leave with you some uplifting and what I hope to be strength-building encouragement from a pastoral family who loves you and wants the very best for each and every one of you. So here it goes. Number one, setting sail. Setting sail is exciting. Setting sail is life-giving. Yet setting sail also means that we are leaving people. We are leaving chapters in our lives. We're leaving places. We're leaving good things behind. Honestly, setting sail does, and I think always will, have its very painful aspects, right? Secondly, setting sail means it's time to be brave. It's time to be courageous, maybe even a little dangerous. We all know that it's more comfortable to just sit back and wait. But we can't find anywhere. When it's time to move forward and move on, I don't remember advice of any kind that says to just fall back on our laurels and stick with doing things the way we used to do them. Friends, you know full well, especially the time that I've been with you, we've been courageous, we've stepped out into the future, we've stepped out of the box, and we've even been a little dangerous at times. Thirdly, that being said, lean into the journey as you set sail. Lean into it rather than step back. Really? Being dangerous means grab a hold of the ship we call Yuma first. Lean into the journey. Lean forward. Strive forward as you set sail. Next. Kind of sounds like it's the opposite of what I just said. Take the time you need to to rest, relax. Take the time you need to find a quiet port. Set your anchor in a safe place. Find a holy, peaceful place. Be quiet and allow God to fill you with his hope, his love, and his grace. Allow God to refuel you, to fill your soul with his blessings, and allow God to be the one to renew your strength. The strength you will need to do wonderful things, dangerous things, creative things. The strength you'll need to be able to lean into the journey that's coming. Finally, let God be the only master of your ship. I'm not much of a sailor, but I read once, every ship has a master. Let God be the only master of your ship. Let God be the one to make a way, to carve out your future, to give you the strength 
to set sail. After all, God is a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. God is the light in the darkness. In conclusion, Wendy Brown and I are leaving our post as your pastoral family. We are leaving behind us our role as your comrades in ministry. We're leaving behind us our role as your companions on the way, as fellow searchers, fellow strugglers, fellow team members, fellow sailors, and God willing, which we believe God does will, like you, we too will end up as those still faithfully sauntering along a journey. Sauntering as pilgrims on the road to holiness somewhere. I looked up that word sauntering, journeying, being a pilgrim, and I found this quote by John Muir. By the way, John Muir, M-U-I-R, is often referred to as the father of the state park, national park system in America. It's pretty cute, actually. Let me share this with you. Hiking. I don't like either the word or the thing. People ought to saunter in the mountains, not hike. Do you know the origin of that word saunter? It's a beautiful word. Well, way back in the Middle Ages, people used to go on pilgrimages to the Holy Land. And when people passed, and when people in the villages through which they passed asked them where they were going, they would simply reply, A la Santa Terre, to the Holy Land. A la Santa Terre. And so they became known as Santa Terriers, or Saunterers. Now these mountains are, whole, are our Holy Land. We ought to saunter through them reverently, not hike through them. Friends, I only have a few more minutes. I want to leave for you what has always been for me some of the best advice I've ever heard. God is the one leading the Apostle Paul to write this. The words are from Paul, but we know the words and the thoughts are genuinely from God himself. You see, when Paul wrote these words, he knew that safely and wisely and courageously setting sail necessarily means that in order to be faith-filled followers of Jesus, we must choose today to focus our daily lives on the goodness, the grace, the truth, the wisdom, the joy, and the hope, all these gifts that we receive as gifts from God. I leave you with these words from the Apostle Paul. Things that are good, holy, lovely, honorable, truthful, and excellent. This is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4. Finally, sisters and brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, 
if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen.